Welcome to the Conversations That Matter cell phone edition where I share a few quick updates and thoughts with you. Um, I just noticed uh, behind me, I, you can see a little stocking and, and there's some Christmas decor. I'm actually looking at my tree. Um, it, it started to fade into the background. I didn't realize it was still up and now I'm, I'm thinking through it and I'm thinking, oh yeah, that's not supposed to be there. <laughs> I'm not stuck in December, I promise you. Does, does anyone else have that issue? You just leave Christmas decorations up? I think my wife likes the Christmas season a lot, which I do too, but... Uh, but we're not stuck. We're moving into 2021, I promise you. And I'm going to give you a few updates on that. Um, number one, the Discerning Christians website is being beta tested right now, meaning uh, those who are patrons, which, by the way, thank you to all the patrons. You guys, uh, you've done more than you even realize. And, and it, it, it helps significantly uh, in some of the efforts that we're part of here. Uh, but one of those is the, is the Discerning Christians website. The patrons are testing it out. They're going to identify kinks. We're going to iron out those kinks, and then we're going to launch the tool for everyone. And basically what the tool does is uh, there's an integrated map where you can put, you know, make a little avatar or a profile, and you can do it for an institution like a church or for yourself. And then it'll show up on a map, and people can then um, uh, link with one another. They can uh, network, and if you're a church planner, you can identify, hey, look, you know, in this town, we'll just say Milwaukee or something, you know, there's uh, 50 people that, um, you know, are, uh, have signed this particular statement of faith for the Discerning Christians website. They're against the social justice movement, they're for biblical orthodoxy, and they probably don't have a place to, to worship. Let me, let me connect with them, let me try to find out who they are, uh, see if there's a church in the area, because, you know, you're not seeing one on the map. So it, it's a way to um, get around the institutions in some ways. I've been encouraging uh, laymen to start their own churches, um, you, you don't need a seminary degree to start a church. In fact, I'm figuring out now that, uh, based on my experience too, it's probably counting against you more than anything else to have a seminary degree. Um, you, you, you have to kind of go through seminary the same way you would go through any secular university with, uh, knowing what you believe first. And those who don't, who weren't solidified in that, end up getting uh, somewhat indoctrinated, unfortunately. And so sometimes your, your local, um, you know, uh, carpenter, or, or, you know, I don't know, a rancher or something could be who just loves the Lord and has read his Bible for years may be a better option than, you know, a seminary grad who's never had maybe a, a lot of real life experience. That's not across the board. I'm not bashing people who go to seminary. Believe me, I'm not. I, I went. But, um, but what I'm encouraging uh, people to um, network with each other and find people of like-minded faith because I realize I get the emails all the time from you guys. Last year was rough, and you realized... Uh, really three things. The, um, through the, through the, the, the COVID lockdowns, uh, where churches in some cases were locking down for, for months, uh, some of them are still locked down. Um, then you had the BLM protests and some churches wanted to get on board with that and, and, or others, a lot of the more conservative churches who didn't want to get on board, just didn't even mention it, um, tend to maybe a tendency to just not really think through what the, their laymen are facing. And so, going through the Bible, but not really addressing what's right in front of us, addressing the questions that, that laymen are having. And then you had the, the election, and that just opened a lot of people's eyes to where uh, many pastors' priorities, unfortunately, were. So, uh, so you're churchless now, a lot of you, or you're, um, you're just driving long distances to find churches. And so I, I want to give you a tool that can help you guys connect with one another. And that's what we're doing. That's the, the mission uh, with that. So thank you for all the patrons who are beta testing that. Thank you for all those who have uh, supported me and, and some of my efforts. Um, and I'm going to give you a few other things that are going on. Um, oh, I, I should mention this. One, one idea I have, this isn't, we, we haven't started towards this, but 
maybe having a discerning Christians conference. And uh, I might crowdsource that later in the year. Uh, we'll probably have to find a state like Florida that's actually open, but um, getting, we'll have to divide the work up, find some people who are willing to volunteer to help put something like this together. But I think it's necessary. And there's some voices that I think uh, are really good on some of these subjects. Some of these subjects you all have questions about, but you're not getting a lot of answers on. And, um, and I'd love to get us all in a room for mutual encouragement uh, and education, but, but more so the encouragement. That's why, that's why we have conferences, uh, sharing of resources. So I'm thinking through that. Um, I, I, you know, that's probably something more in the spring that I'm going to start uh, looking at. Um, I think by then we'll know kind of more what the fall is going to look like in the spring. You know, by then the Biden administration will um, be doing whatever they're going to do, and we'll probably get a, a, at least somewhat of a sense, I'm hoping, I don't know. We could have another emergency and, you know, in their minds, fake emergency, and then we all have to, you know, shelter in place or something. But, uh, but anyways, thinking through that, uh, some other things that are going on. Uh, today's a, actually a writing day for me. So after I'm done with this video, I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to keep plugging away. I've, I've, uh, I've been pretty negligent over the past few weeks because I've had a number of other projects, but I'm going to get back to, um, writing uh, a book against social justice, um, more of an apologetics book. And I, I'm on chapter two right now. I've been on chapter two for two months, so we're gonna we're gonna get to hopefully chapter three by the end of this week. And I'm expecting it to probably be I don't know seven eight chapters or so. But uh, if if I really put my nose to the grindstone, I can get this done in a month, and then probably out to you in two months. It's just um, uh, there, there's a lot of things going on. So um, I hope uh, I hope you all enjoyed the the little kind of almost like a mini doc about uh, Tim Keller I put out there. If that's the kind of content you like, you know, let me know. Um, I'm, I'm trying to put my efforts into the, the places where they're going to bear the most fruit. And um, I did a poll on Twitter and on Facebook, or, or sorry, YouTube, and it looks like people really like that kind of stuff. They like the political and social commentary first, which I'm going to give you in a minute, but you all like the historical stuff as well. And so, um, I, and I, I think that's actually indicative of something. Uh, there, there are some men, you can follow men who uh, are able to exegete a passage, right? But um, there's not, there, there's a demand for people who not only can exegete a passage, but also apply a passage. And that requires understanding something about life and, uh, and having actually kind of a bird's eye view of the time in which we live, where it's going, uh, how knowing something about history, knowing something about philosophy, we're lacking that big time right now. In, um, in Christian conservative circles. And I think that's why, that's my just theory that that's why people like that kind of content, at least judging from that poll. Um, other things going on today, right now, uh, I'm pretty certain, right, right this instance, um, I, I, the editor for the uh, Nini's Deli documentary is hard at work. We're putting this thing together. We're getting out uh, it out to you as fast as we can. And we got other ideas for other documentaries um, that could be done. And, uh, I think I, I'm, I'm going to be taking some steps. I think, um, one of the steps is I'm going to really reduce significantly my, um, my business income. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to just probably keep like two accounts and, um, and, and that's going to be so minimum. It's almost like a side hobby. And I'm going to start devoting more time, at least for now to this issue of, um, uh, social justice and evangelicalism, but even more broadly speaking, uh, as we head towards this great reset and we're kind of already in it, um, how uh, answering some of the questions that Christians have, trying to um, build uh, opposition networks that are, are willing to oppose, willing to name names, <laughs> so important. 
Um, so, so that's one of the things that, that I'm trying to do. And I'm also, uh, even if we don't have full funding, I think I'm just going to take a step forward. And as soon as we're done editing this, um, we're, I'm going to have uh, the guys who are helping me out start traveling and doing some more work on some other documentaries that we have um, ideas for that I, we think would be very beneficial for you and for, for everyone. So um, a little bit about kind of what, what I've been up to, what you can expect for the next uh, few months to a year. Um, other, other things, uh, I wanted to comment on, on some things and give you, uh, the, the main thing I, I, I'm probably going to be working towards is uh, why why we're seeing kind of what we're seeing, and I have to be careful how I go about this, but we're seeing something that parallels in my mind, something that happened in Germany in the 1930s and um, in regards to the church, because I've, I've had to study this fairly extensively, not, you know, I'm not going to say I'm a, a world expert or anything like that, but I've had to read a number of books about the church, primary sources about the church in Germany, um, and, and so I want to um, kind of draw some parallels, just point out some things that are uh, similar and and concerning and then give you kind of what, what I think would be um, <laughs> what, what a better way might be. Um, and so so we're going to be kind of working towards that. But I saw this morning um, on Twitter, Phil Vischer, you know, VeggieTales guy, uh, he, he has gone hard left. Uh, I'm not sure I haven't done all the research on him. I'm not sure exactly how that happened uh, or if he was always there. I, I tend to think he was not always there. I think this is fairly recent. Um, but um, he put out this whole thing, this list of, uh, from the 1920s, things evangelicals have been fearful of. And so he talks about, you know, the modernist controversy and evolution and, uh, and then communism's in there and critical race theory. And then throughout the years, you know, all these things that evangelicals have been afraid of, and and his point is that God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. We're not supposed to be afraid, and and this is evangelicals are are their own. Um, I forget what the word he used, but they're they're basically uh, their own fear mongers. They're they're uh, they're scaring themselves. Uh, these things aren't really threats. Uh, the evolution isn't really a threat. Communism really isn't a threat. Critical race theory really isn't a threat. Uh, you know, you're just um, you just need something to fear. And um, I, I've been, because I've been in some academic, evangelical academic settings for the past like 10 years <laughs> in various capacities at various places, by the way, um, I, I, I'm not new to this kind of thinking, especially among historians. And, uh, and I, can't, I, I can't go through all the reasons for this. I mean, there's a lot of development uh, that has happened. I, I, I do think George Marsden, uh, to a lesser extent, has something to do with this. But uh, I think Mark Knoll does. Um, and uh, you know Thomas Kidd to some extent, John Fee, uh, and this and, and these guys are the moderates. These guys are like the they're not as extreme as like Jamar Tisby and some of the the newer quote unquote historians. They're not they're not really historians. That's that's part of this um, the problem with this is that um, I think Marsden was. I think um, I think though what what that that whole kind of uh, reformed ish. Um, his, historic, I don't know what you even want to call it. Uh, you know, they're, they're kind of like anti, um, Amer they're, they're anti-populist American religious right stuff. Those guys were, and they, um, they had, they wanted to take this very intellectual approach in their minds to the history of evangelicalism. And so they've been responsible for writing a lot of the modern histories that are used. And there's some good things in them. I'm not bashing all of it, but, um, they, 
the people that have followed in their footsteps have kind of gone three more steps than they they are and they are taking some things that um have been said about evangelicals like uh really since the religious right that they're just these these fundamentalist fear-mongering people and they're taking that ex like three extra steps and and basically putting them on our ordernos f scale like they're they're basically two steps away from becoming a nazi that's what an evangelical is is today and the the interesting thing is <laughs> these this is the narrative that's being promoted at the institutions that these evangelicals are funding so it's like you know the 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 almost Nazis, right, are funding people to tell them that they're almost Nazis and they're eating it up. Like, it doesn't make sense. But um, but I, I just wanted to, to let you guys know, this has been in academic settings for a long time. It's People like Phil Vischer are making this narrative popular now. And, and let me just poke a few holes in it for you real quick. It should, even if you don't know anything about history, it should be pretty simple for you just to respond to something like that with, are you fearful of evangelicals? You know, why are you, why are you saying these things? Are are they boogeymen to you? Because you're making them out like they're cartoon characters, which for Phil Vischer isn't that hard, I guess. But they're, they're these cartoony kind of just bigot hate mongers. Uh, what are you afraid of? Why are you talking about them? Why even give them the time of day? You, God told you not to have a spirit of fear, right? So you could kind of go that direction, even if you don't know anything about history. You just say, well, you're, you're, the very thing you're accusing them of, you're doing to them. Um, the other thing, though, just a few things to point out about this narrative uh, number one, it, it starts in the 1920s. It starts with the modernist controversy, and anyone knows, you know, Orthodox Christianity, including evangelicalism, goes beyond that. It goes. You can trace it back even farther. Uh, you can you can even go back to England, go back to the Puritans. You can um, you can go at least at the very least to the first and second Great Awakenings and say there's evangelicalism there. And people like Thomas Kidd and George Marsden never really had a problem with that. Um, there's a difference between evangelicalism and neo-evangelicalism. Neo Carl Henry's evangelicalism was kind of a response to fundamentalism. But if we're talking, and, and sometimes we'll shorthand just call that evangelicalism. I know this is confusing for some of you. But actual evangelicalism, uh, if we're going to use the, the most popular definitions of it, um, it, it goes back to, at, at the very least, the First Great Awakening. And so um, it's very, it's interesting that they oftentimes, people like Phil Vischer this morning, for instance, want to start the narrative of evangelicalism as being birthed in like 1920s in reaction to evolution. And before that, I guess there weren't evangelicals. So you, 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 the, the scope of that kind of a, an interpretation is just way off in my mind. Um, other things uh, that, that should be, that should, we should note, some of these things that were, evangelicals were afraid of, uh, like evolution, like communism, like critical race theory, there's actually reasons to be afraid of those things in some sense. Um, I mean, there's a reason Paul went after the philosophies of his time. Uh, the, the, like, <laughs> it's just kind of like, I, I guess my question would be like, why is that wrong to be against those things? And, 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 and you'll see with the left, they kind of, um, everything uh, post-World War II leftism, at least, everything seems to relate back to Nazism. Nazism is the threat, and everyone that we don't like is in danger of becoming a Nazi in two steps or less. And that's why you'll hear these pejoratives like, you're, you're a neo-confederate, you're a Christian nationalist, you're, and, and you think of whatever pejoratives you want to think about. They use these terms because they're, they're way, in America, it's hard to call people Nazis, regular ordinary Americans. Um, but if you can say that, you know, they're a, a populist national Trump supporter, and that's like being a Nazi, then you can kind of make that attachment. 
And so that's what they keep doing. You know, they, they did this with the Tea Party. As soon as the Tea Party was formed, within like a few months, uh, the, 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 the Don't Tread on Me flag is racist, the Tea Party's racist, even though it was just about, you know, accountability with the budget. That's really the main issue that the Tea Party had. So, um, so, so the, this is kind of working off of Ordorno's F scale, this idea that, you know, if you love your parents too much, you could have Nazi tendencies. And it's a way for the left to just um, kind of <clears throat> um, tar and feather anyone who doesn't fit their socialist mold. And it's been going on for, for a while. But Christian nationalists, now this is the, the newest version of it. Now forget the fact that Nazis would have hated Christian quote-unquote nationalists. And they did. <laughs> uh, forget the fact that, um, you know, if you look even at like, you know, Hitler's writings and Mein Kampf and stuff, uh, he praises Lincoln. You know, it, the Confederates, you know, of, of I mean, we're, we're jumping now regions and we're jumping across history, which is a dangerous thing to do in some ways. But the, you know, the Confederates of the 1860s in the United States would have been totally opposed to the political theory of the Nazis. The Nazis were consolidators. Uh, into a modern state, you know, get rid of the Weimar Republic. We don't want that, Confederates. We're decentralizers. So um, all that to say, um, th that it's a stupid historical narrative when you start trying to come up with these all these other categories to make them Nazis, and then so you can vilify them. That's what we see going on. And it's been going on since at least the 60s, this kind of thing. The Frankfurt School was the one, they were the ones that really started this kind of thinking, uh, and or at least made it popular. And so, um, so that's another hole that I find in it. Um, it's, it's cartoonish, uh, so overly simplistic. It gets the scope wrong. And then it, it also just, um, it, it doesn't interact with uh, the charge that these are actually legitimate fears. Communism is a legitimate fear. Uh, so is evolution, Darwinian evolution. And, and they have led to some bad things, uh, those ideas. Um, and then, of course, last but not least, it's just hypocritical because every... Just about every group has things that they're afraid of. If you stand for anything, there's going to be things you stand against that you want to keep from and prevent from being um, popular or having control. And the left is, like I just said, with, with everything's a Nazi, they have their own groups. They vilify all the time. That's the history of the left. Uh, so um, anyway, there, there's a lot of hypocrisy in that kind of an error. Don't fall for it. A lot of people are falling for it right now. People who have not... Uh, thought through it, and um, and that's sad. We got to help people think through some of this. Uh, so I wanted to, to mention that. Now, the main thing that I was I wanted to talk about today is, um, and I have to be sort of careful of how I go about this, because um, I'm not I'm not trying to shoot at any. I'm not. Uh, this is going to be taken wrong by some, and so I need to say up front, I am very grateful for men who have who are trying. Anyone who's trying to take any kind of stand against the social justice movement, I'm grateful for you. Uh, not going to rain on your parade um, if, if that's truly what you're doing. Um, I do see some weaknesses, though, uh, kind of broadly speaking, and, and I want to go back to uh, Germany in the 1930s, um, and maybe I'll do some more some episodes where I can give you all the, the primary sources so you, you see what I'm talking about, but let me give you the overview. Uh, there were two um, sort of uh, movements in Christianity that formed as a result of Nazism. One of them you're familiar with probably called the Confessing Church. Oftentimes Dietrich Bonhoeffer is the hero and uh, you know, he was involved in a plot to assassinate Hitler and we like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, right? And then, um, and then the other side of it, which is probably 
a movement you're not familiar with is called the German Christian movement. Now, we see both of these, um, the, these movements kind of being paralleled today. Uh, the German Christian movement um, is very much like the woke church today or the social justice church. Both of them are unofficial state churches. And then the confessing church is very much like uh, the more conservative church today. Uh, and you can uh, start thinking of some of the groups, and I'm, uh, I, you know, uh, well, I'm debating whether I should even throw names out there. I think everyone kind of knows um, kind of what groups I'm, I'm referring to, but there's, there's kind of a, an effort to, um, to be against the social justice movement, uh, but not to be too political, to, to just sort of hang, hang, basically to be against it in an ecclesiastical sense, but not in uh, a, a political theory or magisterial or um, public theology sense. So that's kind of, uh, and public, by public theology, I mean, um, you know, applying biblical truth to the, uh, the arena of not just culture, but, but politics more generally in the, the office of the civil magistrate. So um, one person I think that doesn't fit into that category would be like someone like a Doug Wilson, who um, uh, he, he does think in not just the ecclesiastical category, but also in the category of what does God expect of, of Christians in a civil society? What does he expect of the civil magistrate? That kind of thing. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about are, 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 are other than the mainstream kind of evangelical reformedish groups that are trying to take a stand. So, so going back to Germany, in the 1930s and 40s uh, even, uh, the confessing church was very hampered by pietism, neo-orthodoxy, uh, and so, so they, they had, um, they, they could not really firmly defend the truth, they just didn't have an epistemology that helped them do that, because it was, it was so based on this personal kind of pietistic faith. They were also very, and, and here's where I see a parallel, they were very concerned about ecclesiology, and that's kind of where their opposition ended. So Bonhoeffer is somewhat of an exception to this, but most of the confessing church uh, did not have a huge problem. I, I need to backtrack. M many of the people in the confessing church did not have a problem with the Nazis' political agenda necessarily, what they knew of it in the 1930s. Um, they had a problem, and this is where the Confessing Church took their stand, if you want to call it that. They had a problem with the Nazis infringing on the church. So, um, not you, know, you can do whatever you want with the government. Go, go, you know, invade some countries, I guess. I don't know. You, you know, uh, you can be anti-Jewish. Many of them were. They were anti-Jewish, uh, anti-Semitic. They um, thought that, you know, the, they wanted even, I have quotes from Confessing Church leaders saying that the Jews are a problem. Uh, you know, the, hey, I'm glad the government's, you know, addressing this issue. But they had a problem as soon as the Nazis wanted to come into their church and say, well, take that cross down, uh, put a swastika up there, um, put Mein Kampf in there in the place where the Bible used to be. Like, these are the kinds of things that made them upset, nervous. Hey, don't tell us what to do inside our church. And so, so broadly speaking, that was the issue that the confessing church as a whole kind of had. It was, don't infringe on our ecclesiology. We, we, we are the church, we are an institution, you do not get to uh, dictate to us uh, what we are, who we are, what we do. And they're right about that. We see the same kind of thing today, though. Um, we see the conservatives tend to want to say, hey, government, you can't tell us, you know, now, 
many of them now are starting to figure out at least, uh, many shut down initially, and, and then now they're starting to come around and say, oh, wait a minute, hey, the government, wait a minute, what are they doing here? You know, this, this isn't even a, a huge, like a real pandemic. Um, why is the government infringing on our ability to meet, especially when liquor stores can, can be open and abortion clinics? And, and it's kind of, so they're starting to put two and two together. And, and you saw, I'll just put one name out there. John MacArthur is a good example of this. Someone who initially shut down, gave Romans 13 as his reason for why they had to. And after a few months, finally said, no, we don't have to do that. And then kind of um, uh, took, a, took a courageous stand that we are all supporting him for. Um, I was overjoyed to see. And, and now he, if you listen to what he says about Romans 13, he now says, well, you know, that, that doesn't, um, that doesn't mean that the government has authority over the church. Well, it, it kind of did before, but now it doesn't. And I think, and, and I, and I think I've talked about it on the podcast, why I think many pastors are going through this. We, we've never had to face some of these questions in our country like this. And now we're having to face them and some pastors are working through it and they're, they're coming out the other end and they're realizing some things. But most of the opposition, uh, like the, the Confessing Church in, in Germany, is from uh, an ecclesi- ecclesiastical uh, vantage point. It's, it's not, uh, they're not combating the social justice religion with, um, with a robust uh, public theology, with, with an understanding of what God requires of the civil magistrate, with an understanding of what the purpose of government is. Uh, they're, not, they're not being prophetic in that sense. Now, um, I, I, I don't encourage anyone to, to I, you need to study. In fact, I have a, oh, I should have brought it. I have a book I'm going through right now that's specifically on this topic. I'll talk about it more on the podcast. Uh, that it, it was written by, um, I believe it was a Puritan who, who wrote about the civil magistrate. And I, I have a, a number of books that touch on this. And I've, I've read pretty extensively the, um, the Black Robe Regiment and, and, and many of those pastors and, and what they believed and um, and you can go back to the, the Covenanters in Scotland. I mean, they're, they're, we actually have a very rich history uh, that is pretty much ignored at this point by most even Reformed evangelicals today. They're just not aware of it. And, and uh, ignorance is understandable, um, but we can't be ignorant any longer. We're going to have to start doing some of this research from the text of Scripture, from our, our traditions to see how, how, how these texts have been interpreted and applied in various situations. And, um, and that's not, in my opinion, being done right now. What's being done is the same thing the Confessing Church did, which is, uh, you know, just, hey, basically government, you know, w- the church's role is different than the government's role. And, uh, and, and, you know, the church isn't supposed to be following the culture. I mean, that's kind of the best defense uh, that can, can be leveled by most of the conservatives out there. And it's just, it's not adequate. It's actually, in my opinion, it doesn't understand um, culture completely either. Uh, how multifaceted culture is, how uh, religion, religion, you know, separating religion from culture, uh, actually religion's part of culture, it's enmeshed in culture. Uh, not the world, not the, you know, because oftentimes culture and the world are conflated in these more conservative circles, but they're not the same thing. So um, if, you, if you start with a good understanding of what culture is and what God's plan for culture and for nations and for people and for the church are, I think you avoid this and you're able to have a very robust response which is what I've tried to, to do on this channel, a robust response to that movement and a biblical response uh, as well, um, but not just uh, a, an ecclesiastic, ecclesiocentric uh, response because that, that's not going to work. It did not work in, in Germany. Um, it's not going to work here. 
And, and one of the reasons it, it didn't work in Germany is because um, of the, the, there's a sort of a naivete to it that the, um, the government is just, the modern state is just going to leave the church alone. If we can, we can just convince them to leave us alone. You're not dealing with the government. You're dealing with an, a, an opposing religion. Nazism was a, a religion in and of itself. That's, that's the, the thing that I think um, many of us miss. Nazism was a, a holistic, it, there's nothing outside of Nazism. It, it's all-encompassing. Um, and so the church is part of that. And so you have to defeat the ideology itself from the root. You can't say, well, it's fine, you do your thing, but leave us alone. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. You know, let, let the church be the church. No, they're not going to let the church be the church. You don't understand. So, so that's what I see kind of going on in that world. Now, one of the things, I saw a clip the other day at, that wasn't, it wasn't like totally off, but um, it was at a conference um, that it was some more conservative uh, people, and, and the clip was, um, it was of a pastor going after like discernment ministries and basically saying, well, you know, discernment ministries, uh, if, if you're not attached to a church, if you're not... Um, if you're if you're just a guy on the internet, then you know you're you're thriving on controversy. Your uh, success is when you're able to um, be controversial and stir up trouble. You're just stirring up trouble is what you're doing. And uh, and I've seen this before. And 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 the people that usually advocate this, they they I I don't think I've ever seen them name what what they're who they're talking about what they're talking about. Uh, but um, but they're very adamant about it. And that's you know that's a huge problem right now. And um, and, and I wanted to make this point. It is very possible that there are uh, quote-unquote ministries out there uh, that are not attached to local church accountability, and they're just trying to thrive on controversy. And okay, that's, that's very possible. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of a few, sm they're very small platforms that, that I could think of this being a problem in. I don't know whether people like that are talking about me or others. Uh, they never name who they're talking about. I mean, I, it, it doesn't apply to me. Uh, I'm a member. I'm a member in good standing at two different churches. Um, I've, you know, at one church um, uh, that I, I travel a lot, just so people know. And uh, I go back and forth between um, New York and, and where I live currently in Virginia. And at one church, I'm, I'm very, um, I have the sanction, the unofficial sanction of the leaders there. Uh, and I've, I've certainly helped them through some of these questions at the other church. I, as far as I know, I, there's no problem with anything that I'm doing, and I'm, I'm constantly um, making it very clear to leaders at both churches. Um, I've, I've taken a break from the trajectory of my life, which was to go into pastoral ministry. I'm taking a break to deal with this issue because I think it needs to be dealt with. Um, if you ever see anything that you're concerned about, you know, come and talk to me about it. I, I, I believe in that authority. I, I think it's very important to have that authority in your life. And, um, and I certainly have it. And I'd say on a weekly basis, I, I talk to uh, one church leader, um, sometimes two, uh, about what I'm going through and what, how I want to respond and all that kind of stuff. So, so I don't think that critique, if, if, those, if that kind of critique is supposed to be leveled at someone like me, um, I don't think it applies, uh, but I don't know. Maybe it's not about me. Maybe it's there's other people with small platforms who it's talking about. But, but the point I really want to make is that it, that kind of a, a critique is against people with really small platforms. And it's, it's like going after a mouse when there's an elephant in the room. And the reason that, um, that, that some of these quote-unquote ministries even exist is because, and, and this, is, this is where my heart kind of breaks, 
it's because pastors are not, by and large, doing their job. Um, I'm not accusing anyone in particular, but I'm saying there's a demand for people that speak the truth and will oppose uh, evil, false teachers, etc., because pastors aren't doing it. And I've tried to, to point this out, uh, even within the last week on social media, that there's a number of pastors um, and who, who have no problem uh, naming names when it comes to the prosperity gospel. They'll go after Benny Hinn and Joel Osteen, and the list goes on. Uh, people that were close to the president, you know, they will go after them, um, brutally uh, go after them, and they will be silent when it comes to the social justice preachers. Um, I'm not going to say anything about Jamar Tisby, uh, if you want to call him a preacher. I, I don't know what he is. Um, I mean, I don't know what Benny Hinn is either, though, so, I mean... Um, you know, they're, they're not going to go after Phil Bisher. They're not going to—and um, and now, I mean, that list is expanding. They're not going to go after Lincoln Duncan. Uh, they're not going to go after, in my opinion, Mark Dever. Uh, they're not going to—I mean, these are the more moderates in a sense, but they're—you know, I've, I've shown you some of the things that they've said and have said. They're, 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 they're also social justice preachers at this point. They're not going to go after Tim Keller. They're not going to go after—you um, know, by name, they're not going to go after the professors at Southern Seminary who are pumping this stuff out. Uh, or have pumped it out, um, and the list just goes on and on and on. You, you know that it's an overwhelming uh, list of names that I could, off the top of my head, just give you of people who are promoting the social justice religion and ingratiating themselves to the state. So that mixture of the state power uh, with the social justice religion is exactly what the German Christians tried to do. They tried to say, hey, we're Christians, we're going to keep our Christian identity, and we can help you, state, we can, we think what you're doing is good in, in Germany, right? What you're doing against, against the Jews, it's the anti-Semitic, that's a good thing. We're going to help you out. We're going to make sure, I'm going to show you guys, I'm going to virtue signal to you, <laughs> you uh, Nazis, that uh, we in the church also are going to purge, and, and this is literally what happened, guys, we're going to purge our hymn books. We're going to take out a mighty fortress. We're going to take out anything that could be referencing anything pro-Jewish or uh, pro-Old Testament even. We're going to... Um, even starts to, we're going to go through scripture and we're going to interpret it in such a way that the Old Testament is this Jewish thing that, that, that doesn't apply and we're going to downplay it. And, uh, and, and actually, towards the end of World War II, they were going to purge the Bible. We're going to actually come up with their own Bible. But, um, but they, that's what they did. They tried to ingratiate themselves to basically parallel everything that the Nazis were saying and, and find a parallel in the church. And, I, and you think it might be silly, that sounds stupid. They were not, they, they were not dumb people. Um, if you look at some of the writings of those guys, um, they, they have scholarship. Uh, they go into detail about uh, the Aryan Jesus, and, uh, and they, try, they try to prove it to the, with the best scholarship of the time. It's exactly what we have now. We have a bunch of educated fools who are, uh, just like the German Christians, ingratiating themselves to the state narrative, which is now the state narrative, guys. If you looked at what the Biden administration is doing, it's exactly, oh, look at all the policies that he's already put in place, the executive orders, um, the, uh, the, 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 what they call it, the Equality Act or something like that, you know, um, incorporating uh, LGBT and that whole plan panoply into the civil rights legislation. Uh, you know, look at what he's done with um, the transgender bathroom issue, picked up right where the Obama administration left off. Uh, he banned the 1776 project, which I, I wasn't a big fan of anyway, but he's doing it for different reasons. Banned, got rid of that. 
Uh, they're going to start teaching critical race theory to the military. Look at what's happening and look at what the church is doing in response to that. The, the, the woke church. The social justice church is doing exactly what the German Christian church did. They are ingratiating themselves to the state. It's a survival mechanism. And, uh, and, and it's the formation of a new state religion. That's what they are. They're, it's a state religion. It's, critical race theory isn't the issue really here. It's, it's a state religion. And on the confessing church side, aka the more conservative Christians, more conservative churches, they still think that you know, discernment ministries that are pointing this out are such a big problem right now. That, that needs to be dispelled with. Um, they still think that the problem somehow is, you know, the church is just trying to be like the culture, or, um, or they think that uh, this is just an extension of the seeker-sensitive movement, or, you know, this goes back to, you know, whatever. This is, reform guys like to blame Finney for everything, you know. It is, it really, it's not Finney, guys. I mean, I, I could see why there's like a very slim thread where you could say that uh, because you want to appeal to, um, to people who are seeking or whatever, in your minds, you know, people who aren't Christians, you're going to try to look like, like the world. I can sort of see that, but that's, that's not exactly all that's going on here at all. That's not a full picture of it at all. Um, although, yes, there, there is a side to that. There, there, is, there is some legitimacy to that idea. This is, um, this is a survival mechanism. This is a formation of a new religion. That's what's going on completely. And it's not because they're centered on the seeker out there. You know, it, it's, it's, it's they're centered on a modern state with the force to destroy everything in its path, and they don't want to be destroyed. So uh, this happened already in history. It's happened not just in Nazi Germany, I'm sure. I'm sure it's happened in, in many other instances. That's just the one I'm probably most familiar with uh, that would parallel this. And, um, and, I, and I, I think we got to get our priorities straight. So here's, um, here's the answer, in my, in my opinion. Here's the answer. Um, is why I want to do a conference at some point to, to get some, some voices platformed who I think are doing good jobs, but they have smaller platforms. Um, the answer is we have to have a very robust um, public theology, uh, understanding of the magistrate, understanding of how even Romans 13 has been traditionally interpreted throughout church history. Uh, we have to get away from this idea that... Um, uh, you know, we can, we should interpret the Bible in just a vacuum. We actually do have wisdom from the ages that we can look to. It's not the authority, uh, but it's, it, it helps. It, it, it's like what C.S. Lewis said about reading old books. It helps us get outside of the, the place that we're in right now in history and helps us see from another vantage point uh, sometimes. Um, and, 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 and we have a, a robust, rich history to, uh, to go to, to, to learn how some of these passages have been um, interpreted over the course of history. So we need to be doing that, which I'm, I'm dedicated to doing. Um, in fact, I, we have um, a few episodes coming up. I have one with uh, Thomas Accord that you're going to enjoy. You're going to want to, it's going to be really eye-opening, I think, for some of you. It's going to sort of be a paradigm shift and help you think about culture and place and who your neighbor is in a different way. And I think this is way more important than battling, reactionary battling the critical race theory. we got to be for something. And, we're, and, and I'll tell you what I'm for. I'm for... Uh, my family. I'm for, and, and my family uh, is, is influenced by, it, by Christianity. Uh, it worked itself into the traditions and the manners of my family, and, I, and, I, and the songs and, the, and everything, and I'm, I, I'm an, I, I inherited that. And when I start a family, I'm going to pass some of that stuff down. I'm not starting with a blank slate. And so um, some of you who didn't grow up in Christian homes, you, you're going to have to be uh, you, you get creative, or you look to what other families are doing, and you. But but the point being that you're you're attaching yourself to something that it's tradition. It goes back, 
Um, I'm, I'm for uh, Western civilization, Christian culture, Christian influence culture. No, that doesn't mean everyone's a Christian in it. It means that Christian principles have worked themselves into law and into you know, all these other arenas. I'm for um, you know, institutions that, uh, well, some of those are defunct now. You know? <laughs> like I was in the Boy Scouts, and you know, I'm not for what the Boy Scouts currently are. You know, I, so there's certain things I, I'm not, but I'm for, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm for young men uh, understanding what it means to be a man. Uh, and, and, you know, when I have a son, I'll, I'll probably be involved with taking him camping and whatever organization does that. I'm for um, the country that I live in. I'm for the place that I come from. I'm for uh, my grandparents and, and the places that they came from. And um, I'm, I'm for um, the principles that made the country that I live in the way uh, it is, the good, the good and true and valuable things. I'm for honoring the memory of those who fought uh, uh, with valor and with bravery and with courage, and I'm for passing down those heroes to my children. Um, I'm for uh, the Bible, you know, specifically, and, um, and, and teaching that to my children. I'm f so I, I could keep going. There's just so many things I'm for. I'm for carrying on, you know, uh, the, um, an understanding of how to defend my family and using firearms uh, and defense, uh, you know, mechanisms in, in a way that's um, responsible. There's all sorts of things that we probably don't think of on a daily basis that we're actually all for. And those are the things that are worth defending. Um, you know, you're for your wife, you're for your pets even, the blessings God's given you. Defend those things. That's what I want to be doing. We're going to defend those things. We're not just going to go back to, um, well, let's react against critical race theory. Let's react against LGBTQ. Let's, no, no, they're actually, those things are attacking us. It's a culture siege. They're coming after who we are and trying to deconstruct everything we believe to the core. So let's be for those things that they're trying to deconstruct in every arena, not just the ecclesiastical arena, not just the church. Wherefore, those the, the true and valuable good things in every single avenue of our life. That's the answer, guys. And so I'm going to have Thomas Accord on. We're going to start the conversation on this. Um, not, not that it's already, I mean, I've already talked about it to some extent, but I think he just has a very clear way of thinking about some of these things. Um, I'm going to have uh, Dr. James White on hopefully next week. We're going to talk about Romans 13. Um, guys, we're, we're going to be for some things. We are going to be, we're for, I mean, the Discerning Christians website. It's not the anti-CRT website, right? It's the Discerning Christians website. We're for discernment, right? So, um, so yes, to be for some things means you also need to be against some things. Absolutely true. But um, I want to avoid what I see cons some conservative circles doing, which is they are, um, <laughs> they want to be against discernment ministries, but they've kind of become their own um, they're their own kind of club in a way, their own discernment ministry where anything outside of them is, is in error. And I've seen this tendency quite a bit. Um, it's not everyone and every, I'm not accusing all conservative pastors of this or anything close to that, just so people don't misunderstand. I'm just saying I see a tendency out there. I can think of names. And I, um, I want to encourage those people because they're on our side. Uh, even if all they understand is, you know, we have to have good, a good ecclesia. Okay, good. Um, that's a good start. Let's branch out. You know, we need to be tackling the questions Christians actually have. Uh, you know, questions like, should, do I have to take the vaccine if the government tells me to? Do I have to submit to a president that might be illegitimate? Um, what about all the other things that the government's going to be forcing on my business that's outside of the ecclesia? Uh, 
What about, um, I don't know, the list just goes on and on, educating your children and um, what traditions and symbols and things should I keep? What traditions and symbols should I get rid of for the sake of not causing an offense? These questions aren't, they're not even hardly approached uh, in, in a certain um, more conservative demographic. And that's, and it just parallels kind of what the confessing church did. And um, I don't want to fall into that category. So we're, we're going to need to be more robust. And, uh, and there are some groups out there that are being robust. I'll tell you what. Uh, they're not mainstream yet, but I think, um, I, I think there's a demand for it. And, uh, and hopefully it's not too late. You know, we always, you know, ultimately we're for the Lord. We're for the world as he created it. Uh, the natural world, um, we're for uh, the natural revelation, for um, special revelation. And we, we want to defend the world as it has been created, as it is, and not the reconfiguration Satan and evil forces want to uh, recreate the world into, something that is uh, not in the image of God, not according to his plan. And so, and, that, and that's what we're doing. Um, and, and that's what we're, where I'm, I'm going to continue to do. So I, I, I don't know. I hope that helped you guys out. This, this was much longer than I thought it would be. Uh, my, my short little uh, podcast, um, my, my cell phone, uh, smartphone podcasts here, but um, which are supposed to be short. But, you know, I, I hope that just helped you guys kind of get a vision for basically where I want to go, what I want to do. And look, I want to encourage, encourage the guys uh, that um, might be ignorant or may not see the full picture. You know, we, we want to help in that as much as we possibly can. So, I need to get to writing now, but uh, hey, God bless you all. Thank you for your support once again, and uh, I appreciate it. God bless. Bye now. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.